Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This time from Pastor Graham Mabry. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Love broken, love restored, as you can see, is our theme this Easter. And it's my privilege to speak today on Love Restored. And first of all, to wish you all a happy Easter and to welcome you here to Mount Pleasant, especially those who are visitors with us today, just coming in for the Easter services. We're thrilled to have you with us. Love. One of the most loved icons of Hollywood. She's a screen legend. She's also a a magnificent UNICEF uh, ambassador, worked boys and girls for people of your age in the poor countries of the world for many years, Audrey Hepburn. She once said, the best thing to hold on to in life is each other. She's actually officially one of the most loved Hollywood stars of all time. The best thing to hold on to in life is each other. How true, how hard. How many in this room know the pain of love broken? Love broken by betrayal. Love broken by abandonment. Love broken by rejection. Love broken by bereavement. And some of you haven't been able to hold on to someone, but it's so hard to let go of the result of that person. The rejection, the pain, the anger, the hurt, the injustice. Those people on the clip, I was broken, I was helpless, I was abandoned, I was depressed, I was confused. See, in life, we, as Nick told us on, on Friday, we, we're made to love and be loved. We crave to love and be loved, but when we go seeking love, we encounter pain. And when we encounter pain, then we encounter insecurity and fear. And because we become insecure and fearful, we seek to gain control. But that just runs us into more pain and more insecurity and more striving to get control. In what the, uh, the Bible describes as a, an old stagnant life, this cycle that just goes around and around and around. There's, there's a metaphor for love broken. It's cross-cultural. It goes back at least 3,000 years. It's the metaphor of the broken heart. Medical technology has shown us that uh, now that we can do neurotransmitting, it's our neuroscience of today. In about 2011, they discovered that a broken heart causes the same brain activity as acute physical pain. One of the researchers says it gives a whole new meaning to the phrase, love hurts. If there's a metaphor for Jesus' followers as dawn broke on that first Easter Sunday, that's it on the screen. They had broken, broken hearts. The one they wanted to cling to, who had brought others to life, had died. It was unthinkable. It was devastating. They they had the the one that they, they thought was the Son of God is dead. Yes, Joseph of Arimathea has given a tomb. Nicodemus has come in broad daylight, not by night this time, to give spices. But it's all about caring for a dead body. They had all gone missing, especially Peter. So their pain was massive. Their fear and insecurity was overwhelming. And their effort to gain control, the best they could do was get into a room and lock the doors and stay there. And hope, well, they were there for fear of the Jews. Well, their doors might have stayed locked, but the tomb didn't. 
The tomb did not stay locked. I want to talk about Mary and the women later, but let me just stay with the disciples because they're incredibly significant, by the way. But before we talk about them, let me stay with the disciples. John and Peter run to the tomb. They check it out and then they go back to the locked room. But Luke does tell us that Peter went away wondering. And then that evening, boys and girls, Jesus just appears in the room. He seemed to love doing that after his resurrection. It seemed to be his favourite way of turning up. He would just appear in the room. My, my son Brett wanted to do a skit one day of Peter cooking breakfast and Jesus just appearing and going, peace, and whoa, he throw the eggs over his shoulder and the coffee on the floor and just say to him, Jesus, could you just knock and come through the door? Is that like... <laughs> No, Jesus seemed to like just appearing. Well, I heard about one of our boys and girls who was at a day when you went to school dressed as a superhero, went as Jesus. And I reckon he's the greatest superhero of all. And I reckon it's pretty neat power to be able to just appear in a room, kind of play with the time-space coordinates, and boom, here I am. Gotcha. Jesus appears to them and says, peace, which seems a very sensible thing to say when you've just appeared out of nowhere. But then an unusual thing. He showed them his hands and his side. Luke tells us what he said to them. He said, look, look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me, see, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. I am physically alive again. The New Testament is adamant about this. This is no philosophy. This is no metaphor. It's me, feel me. I am real, I am alive. Paul wrote this, Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, to James, to the twelve, and to more than 500 at the same time, most of whom are still living. Now this is the man responsible for some of those who weren't still living. He had arrested them and had them killed before he met Jesus. And he is writing this just 20 to 24 years after it happened. Professor, uh, Professor Sherwin White, who's no theologian, he's an ancient historian from Oxford, he says the New Testament is a profoundly invaluable ancient history resource. All of the things he said that I rely on for my ancient history writing, uh, the history of it, that everyone accepts, all of those sources were written centuries after, or at least generations after, and they're all biased. The New Testament is written just a matter of years after. John Dixon has spoken in this room, as you would know, he's a, may know, he's an academic, he's with Macquarie University, he's also associated with Sydney University, he's a visiting academic at Oxford, and he says, the fact that this is written so soon after it happened, it absolutely rules out the theory that it was a gradually developing legend, this idea that Jesus rose. He says, it is an unavoidable fact of history that people claim to have seen Jesus back from the dead from the very beginning. And he says, nobody, no source inside the Bible or outside of it says the tomb wasn't empty. They don't all agree, they don't all agree on why it was empty, but nobody says the tomb wasn't. That's important to me. I, I can't deal with a theology that's like my grandson David's from a couple of years back. He was about six, no, no, not no, younger, he would be about four. And we were having our first Thanksgiving in America. And the turkey was brought out to the table and David pronounced with great confidence to his cousins, the chicken died and it's come back as a turkey. <laughs> I want something that's a little more substance than that. I love the variation in the Gospels. I was a school teacher. If something happened in the schoolyard, then you get everybody apart and you talk to them individually. And if they all tell you exactly the same story, they're lying because everyone sees it from their perspective. 
the Jewish worldview had either no resurrection at all, or only a resurrection at the very end of time. Nothing in these people's worldview prepared them for resurrection right now. And what possible motivation could you have for making up a story, the result of which was that you got persecuted and killed? If you were going to make up a story, I'm sad to say you would never pick women as your key witnesses in those days because, shamefully, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. They were unreliable witnesses. They're the last person you'd pick in a made-up story. If you follow the medical evidence, modern medical science actually supports the descriptions in the Gospels. And following the evidence, well, that's what lawyers do, isn't it? Poor old lawyers. How many lawyers' jokes do we know? A gazillion, don't we? But they are good at following evidence. And they follow the evidence of the resurrection and come to faith in great numbers. Harvard Law Professor Simon Greenleaf is considered to be one of the world's leading evidentiary authorities. And he says, the resurrection is historical fact. So Lionel Lucku is in the Guinness Book of Records as the world's most successful lawyer. He has, he's one of the, he's like a real, for the old people my age, he's a real life Perry Mason. These, these lawyers on telly that never lose, Matlock, all that. Uh, most of you are looking at me like, how old are you? <laughs> well, this guy had 245 successful cases. He didn't become a Christian till 63 because he started to examine the gospels as though they were affidavits of evidence. And he says this, I say unequivocally the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. This from a man who was ambassador to the United Kingdom for two West Indian countries. No fool. Lee Strobel studied law at Yale University. Then he became a journalist, an award-winning investigative journalist. We used to have his book, The Case for Easter, because as he examined the evidence, that the story is his wife came to faith. He was furious. He was an atheist. He said, if I can prove this is nonsense, will you come back to your senses? Yes, she said, I will. If you don't want to read the book, if you want that book, unfortunately, well, fortunately, we've sold out in the bookshop. (laughs) But if you let us know at the information, the connection points, the information point, that's the one, at the information point, tell us you need it. We'll definitely get $5, I think it is. But, but if that's a bit tough, get onto Netflix and have a look at the movie, The Case for Christ. It tells the story of the journey. His friend said to him, Lee, you're an investigative journalist. Follow the evidence, mate. He followed the evidence to faith. When Jesus said peace to his disciples that day, it was the greeting that they, Avenue Shalom, it was a, a standard greeting. But when Jesus said it that day, it was much more than an aspirational wish. It was a promise kept. Before he went to the cross, he said, my peace I give you. And when he was standing, showing them his feet and his hands and his side, his wounds, he was saying, hey guys, I don't just wish you peace. I don't just love peace. I have made peace. See, there's a big difference between peacemakers and peace lovers. Peace lovers will have peace at any price. Anything for peace. Peacemakers pay the price to make peace. Next Thursday on Anzac Day, we will honour those who didn't just love peace. They went and paid the price to make peace. Jesus paid the price for our peace. This next Thursday, we'll say Jesus' words. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' wounds show that he did. 
And because he did, he could breathe peace into them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they received love, joy, peace. And in this room, this morning, he can breathe peace into you. He can breathe peace into me. For we who once were far away have been brought near by his blood. For he himself is our peace. I love the fact that the women were chosen as the first witnesses. That's such a God thing. In a culture which shamefully denied them their God-given value, God chooses them. Mary Magdalene becomes the apostle to the apostles. It's exciting, I reckon. It's fantastic. You see, God chooses those, he deliberately chooses those that the culture overlooks, that exploits and abuses. And if that's you this morning, if you feel like, who cares about, I'm the invisible person, who cares about me? Whoever listens to me. Anyway, people, maybe some of those pastors at Mount Pleasant, they kind of, they glide slightly above. They could walk across the river if they missed the bus. But me, you know, I, I think, no, I don't rate. Or maybe like Mary on that first Sunday, you are just devastated. You don't even have your last shred of hope left. If that's you today, then come with me and with her to the tomb. Let's go with her early on that morning. She gets there and the stone is rolled away and that is the cherry on the cake of misery for her. Now she doesn't even have a body. And she is so distraught, John tells us in his gospel, that eventually when she does go and look in and sees two angels dressed in white, as Nick read to us, she just answers their question and turns away and starts talking to someone she thinks is the gardener. If you left this morning, got to your car, and sitting on the front of it were two angels dressed in white, I think they'd have your undivided attention. We may, we may need the paddles to jerk you back to life. This woman is so distraught, she just, she just goes, oh, they've taken my Lord. Then sees the gardener, it's really Jesus, starts talking to him. But everything changed for Mary when she heard Jesus call her name. Boys and girls, Jesus knows your name and he calls your name. Everything changes for you, mums and dads and grandmums and granddads, when you hear Jesus call your name. And I don't mean you heard him call your name a hundred years ago. You might have been a Christian for years, but see, resurrection didn't just happen in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Resurrection happens now in us. And maybe this morning it's time for a new resurrection for you. Maybe it's time the stone of habit and old ways and dead, cynical, oh, who cares, rolled away and the fire of God and the love of God exploded in you once again. And your heart became fresh and new and revived because that's what Easter does. Some of you know our sons have been involved with Lauren Daigle in an album that God is just showering favour on and it is purely his favour. They, they freely acknowledge that. One of the songs on that album is Still Rolling Stones. The words say, dead man walking till love came calling, rise up. I thought that I was too far gone for everything that I'd done wrong. I am the one who dug this grave, but you called my name. You called my name. He calls your name. All at once I came alive, this beating heart, these open eyes, the grave let go, the darkness should have known. You're still rolling stones. 
God is still rolling stones. See, I, was, I knew the truth about me, but I needed truth that works. I knew I had stuffed my life up, and I couldn't undo that. I was wounded by others, and I couldn't heal that. I'd gone my way, run my life, rejected advice, done my thing like a sheep, gone off on my own way, and I was lost. But everything changed when I heard him call my name. When he called my name, and I grew up with nobody knowing my name, I was so, went to so many different schools, my name was either the new kid or AU. But Jesus called my name. And when he called my name, I saw he had taken up my sin. It was my sin that gave him those wounds. That thing that won't let you sleep at night is on that crown of thorns. He took it willingly, lovingly. He took the punishment that brought me peace. By his wounds, I'm healed. By his wounds, we are healed. He said to me, I took these wounds to heal yours. I'm not offering you a philosophy or an ideology. I'm offering you me, myself. Do you hear him calling your name this morning? There's something down in there. I spoke to one of our seniors this week and she said, I was painfully shy. I had severe dyslexia way before they could diagnose it. So I could never work out the whole Christian thing from books and stuff. Wouldn't make sense to me. But she said, from a little girl, I knew the love of the cross. And I said to her, your heart knew? And she said, always. What's your heart saying today? What's your heart saying, boys and girls? You hear him call your name? Mums, dads, grandparents, do you hear him call your name? On Friday's clip, one of the people said, how can I love? Because he first loved me. The most, think about this. What if the most profound reality of your life, those of you who think you're a mistake, nobody cares, you've blown it, what if the most profound reality of your life is that you are deeply loved by God already? Deeply loved by God. Nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it, but you can't stop him. God's love is relentless, Chesterton said. Outside your circle of pain and fear and struggling for control, God stands saying, I love you. I love you. I'm your father. I love you. Jesus stands with his hands and feet and brow and back and side and says, look how much I love you. Something is worth what it costs. Look what I paid. I did this for the joy set before me and the joy was the possibility of bringing you into the relationship I enjoy with my father through the spirit. Here's another question. What if this morning you surrender to that love? What if you just say, I am so tired of trying to be God in my own life. I'm, I, I need forgiveness. I believe you're offering it. Please forgive me. I need healing. Heal me. I don't want to be God anymore. I trust you. That's what this communion is about. 
Jesus spread his hands, died on a cross and said, Father, I trust you for them. Now, you might have a number of reactions. You might be thinking, hey, this is not for me. And that's a valid reaction. If that's your reaction this morning, we're still thrilled you came. Be good not to participate in the communion service, but don't feel any, any awkwardness about that. No one will be paying any attention to that. But we hope you come again and we hope you enjoy today. Some of you may, that may be thinking, you know what, I, I, I heard that lady on the Alpha course. I got a lot of questions. Well, that's an excellent resource. We have an Alpha course starting soon. And as you heard, Alpha is not about you joining this or any church. It's, not about, it's about making a safe place where you can say what you believe, where you can ask any question, where you can explore it. Wouldn't it be crazy to not do what those lawyers did? Don't reject something you've never examined, especially if it can change your life. But by God's grace, maybe this is a significant morning for you already. You know he is knocking at the door of your heart for the first time or for... You've known him a long time, but it needs to be resurrected. It needs to be fresh. It needs to be new. He's calling your name. There's a beautiful description of Jesus in the, the last song we sang before that wonderful item from the boys. The last line says, he's the one who never leaves the one behind. This kid who never belonged anywhere, never, nobody ever knew who I was or cared, he came and found me. He came and found me. There's a song we used to sing years ago, here in your courts where I'm close to your throne, I've found where I belong. You belong. The father is standing with his arms open wide for you this morning. The shepherd finds you and lays you on his shoulders and says to, it, to the angels of heaven, Go off, because look, none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed or how dark the night the Lord went through ere he found his sheep that was lost. But all through the mountains, thunder riven and up from the rocky deep, there will arise a great cry from the gates of heaven. Rejoice, I have found my sheep. And you will know I am home. Would you close your eyes with me? I want to share some words from Anthony DeMello with you. And I want you to perhaps in your imagination, I mean, do whatever, be with God in this moment. And if this isn't helpful, then do what is. But listen listen to these words and listen to the Holy Spirit. One day, alone in my room, I think of the things in my life I'm especially thankful for, the things I'm proud of, but then my mind inevitably turns to the things I regret, the things I wish had never happened, especially my sins. And while I'm engaged with this, Jesus Christ walks in, but his presence brings the sweetest joy and peace. I tell him some of the things about my life that I regret. He stops me with the words, that is forgiven and forgotten. Don't you know love keeps no record of wrongs? 
And then he goes on to say, in fact, your wrongs are not only forgiven, they have been converted into grace. Have you not heard where sin was great, grace was greater still. As we come to communion this morning, give him your sin, own it, come to him just as you are. Been going to this church for ages, but boy, do you need the stone rolled away. Never have done this before. Look, if you if you want to take that step toward him this morning, a beautiful way to do it is take communion. Whatever the Spirit is saying to you, do it. Come forward, take the bread, because he said, this bread is my body broken for you, and his wounds proven. Take the cup, this cup, signs a new covenant in my blood. This is not because God feels like it, it's by covenant. New beginning, new creation for you. I invite you to stand, come forward, take the bread, hold on to the cup once you're back into your seat because we'll all drink together in a moment. But if you keep to the left, that avoids the traffic jam. But also just stay with the Lord in this moment. This is for anyone who calls Jesus Lord or who wants to do so by taking communion this morning. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance that child can face uncertain days because Jesus lives. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, invite you to say it with me. It's purely if this helps. Feel free not to, maybe, but, but sometimes saying it out loud helps. Would you say with me, Lord Jesus Christ? I need resurrection. Would you forgive me? Heal me. Holy Spirit, breathe into me now. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, wounded for us but now risen in glory, the one who went to the cross as a lamb but came from the tomb roaring as a lion, And may the love of the Father, how wide and deep and long and high is that love. And may the fire and power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore. And the church said, let's drink together. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.